From the east side to the west, this is From the Land, the Cleveland Sports and More podcast. I'm your host, Jason Gerber, and tonight we flip last week's script and celebrate the start of the baseball season by going on the diamond with the guards to start the show. Then we head onto the court to talk Cavs limping towards the playoffs and bubble teams closing out the NBA season. We close the show off the field with some date night Q&A. I am joined tonight by only one of the best ever. My co-host, Chuck Rambaldo, is here for the first ever Gerber Chuck date night podcast. Chuck, how does it feel to be the new Iron Man of the show? <laughs> because tonight ends Denko's 91-week streak wow. of consecutive appearances that started with episode 33 on July 19th, 2021. I thought it was an untouchable record. DiMaggio, Cal Ripkinish, but it's good to know that I'm probably, what, 40 to 50 weeks behind that record? So i just glad I get to no. spend... Oh, no? Oh, no. You're, you're, at, you're, you're in like the 70s. Damn. I'm, a, I'm committed, but it's, it's good to spend some alone time with, with Gerbs tonight, man. Like, it... It feels good. Good deal. I think we're going to have a good time. We all obviously going to miss our boy Denko, who is on a secret mission at a secret location. <laughs> and I don't even know if he's going to be back next week. So maybe we're going to have to run <laughs> this back. But uh, why don't we get started? Like I said, we're going to start on the diamond with our first Guardians week cap. Our look back at the last week of Guardians baseball. And man, Guardians baseball is back and they are picking up where they left off last season. Opening weekend included a shutout from Bieber, Karen Check blowing a game, and a come-from-behind extra inning win. Guards took three of four from a probably good Mariners team in Seattle, finished opening weekend three and one, second in the AL Central, but there's 158 games to go, so they got plenty of time to make that up. Chuck, what was the best thing you saw from the guards this weekend? I think you kind of said it, like, looking at the series, picking up where they left off a little bit, everything like really good defense, really great starting pitching, even better bullpen stuff, except for Karen sans Karen check, but overall, like exactly what you want to see out of this team, uh, stuff that doesn't make sense in modern day baseball, score nine runs, hit no home runs. Okay. Yeah. You know, like this, this is, it's a fun team to watch. Uh, and even that first game, you know, like it, you, you got a little bit of that, like never say die, like anything can happen with this Guardiac team uh, that they had guys on base with two outs and it just didn't work out. But overall, what a great, like great first series when you're out on the West coast against a probably playoff team. Like that Mariners team is really good. I didn't get to watch a ton of the games, uh, but I watched most of Sundays. And what struck me about the Mariners was Gosh, these guys have a bullpen that that almost rates with ours. Yeah. All of a sudden, they're marching out dudes in the sixth, seventh, and eighth who are throwing a hundred. I'm like, that's our thing, guys. What are yeah. you doing? <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> um, but that, I mean, part of what made that that win on Sunday so much fun and so much like last season, of course. But you know what? I really liked just from beginning to end of the weekend. I like this lineup so much more than the lineup at this time last year. I just feel like so much more confidence one through seven yeah. in the group. And then you look at eight and nine is like Zanino and Straw. You think, ah, 
hey, man, these guys might be okay. Zanino had a big game on Sunday. Mm-hmm. actually hit the ball well all weekend. I, I just like a lineup that seems like it's so much more capable of scoring runs than last season's lineup. Uh, that's really exciting, especially when the pitching and stuff like that uh, works out the way that it did. Speaking more specifically of the lineup, Andres Jimenez is hitting sixth or seventh in the lineup. Ahmed Rosario is hitting second. Should those guys be flipped in the lineup? My favorite thing about the first week of any season, any sport, is overreacting. <laughs> and after <laughs> and after like game one, I started seeing you know on on social media this team's only going to win eighty games, and you know just like one of the greatest lines in in any movie is. In major league, like we got 162 of these to go, man. I think eventually, yeah, you might see that flip because Jimenez hit the ball really like that home run. He launched that dude. But Rosario had a pretty good series too. It's not like he didn't hit well. Uh, I'd be a little more concerned with some of the defensive blunders he made uh, where he got ate up a little bit by some ground balls. I think maybe, you know, like a guy, I don't want to doubt Rosario because we I, I specifically spent a lot of time doing that early on last year. Uh, and he proved me wrong. Uh, he's a solid two guy. He'd probably be even more solid seven guy. I, I think you'll see that lineup tinker and adjust a little bit, but for now, it's, you know, like how, how can you really complain that much with a, a three and one in a first series win? I don't think I'm complaining. And I don't really know that I'm, that I doubt Rosario either. He He's a solid defender. He has a much better bat than we gave him credit for, for most of last season. I think Jimenez and Rosario are almost the same guy at the plate right now except Jimenez might be a little bit better with a ton more upside. It seems to me you want that guy to get more at-bats all season long. So bump him up to that two spot, drop Rosario down. I just don't feel like you're losing anything in the two spot, and maybe you're gaining a little bit with Jimenez there right now. But, man, by the end of the season, maybe you're right. Maybe this is something that comes halfway through the year or something because it just feels like Jimenez is, is ready to grind this year. Yeah. I mean, you're probably right. And not to get too far into the weeds, because I don't know, but Rosario might be a better fastball hitter. And you're thinking Quan's on base. He's going to see more fastballs, at least earlier in the season, uh, to keep Quan kind of, you know, close. But I'm not disagreeing with you here, but I just thought it was a a pretty good week overall for for both those guys. I'm not complaining about anything they did this weekend. Even Karen check blowing that game. You know what? Like, it's going to happen from time to time. And he got into a really weird spot. There's some weird calls yeah. by the umpire and, and like one of the at bats that helped get guys on base. And then he he got caught with like the pitch clock thing. And I mean, Karen Chuck, I think, is a guy who doesn't necessarily have a ton of composure when he's on the mound. And so these are going to be learning experiences yeah. for him. So I'm not that upset about it. I mean, like everybody in the bullpen is going to blow something you know, here or there during the season over, like I'm, I'm with you hundred percent. It was a great first weekend. Maybe I'm overly high on Jimenez already. Maybe I'm thinking, gosh, we need that guy up at the top of the lineup, getting as many bats as he can. And they actually managed his at bats and the number of at bats and the number of games last year. And I think that probably was good for him over the course of the season. Maybe that's what's happening again. So, all right, I'm not going to say we got to move anybody yet. (laughs) It's been on my mind. <laughs> let's let's move on, talk some offense. Our first guards, good lumber, best hitter of the week. Good one. I don't know if I love it. I don't like <laughs> hats for bats. That was last year's offense segment. Oh, good lumber. We'll see. I want to be trying things out. All right. For, for the first few weeks of the season, we'll hit on something. But best hitters of the week, Jimenez, 
286 over the weekend, a home run, two walks, scored four runs. Next one, Mike Zanino, the catcher, uh, hit 444, had a home run, three for three with three RBIs in the win on Sunday. Uh, Miles Straw already hitting 231. (laughs) Stepping up from last year. So who had the good wood for the guards this weekend? (laughs) No really good choices in in like straw, not nearly as as flashy as some of the other guys, but you know, he, he walked twice on Sunday and and stole a a base. So there's a lot there that he brings to the table that these other guys aren't going to, but, but I think I'm going to go with Zanino only because like, I didn't realize this until I'm I'm watching the game. Like that guy was the third overall pick in a draft. That's super rare for a. Oh, catcher. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. I had no idea. Uh, and when you're bouncing back from a big injury, and he got beat up a little in game one because oh, you know, like we're trained to think that catchers are only supposed to block balls and not actually hit them. Uh, and it was nice to see him have a big game and hit the ball really well. And I think that might make up for some of his defensive issues. I'm not saying this guy's going to hit high 300s all season, but what's the what's the line here? If he hits like 220, he's a superstar behind the plate for this organization. Yeah. So for him to have a good week like that and come out, especially yesterday, and just hit a ton, I'm giving it to that guy. Yeah, if he hits 220, I think, but especially if he hits like 20 home runs, you know, that's huge. But I will say that it was, I was taken aback a little bit by some of the balls that got by him on Sunday when I was watching the game because we haven't seen that right. in how many years, man? How many years have we had great defensive catchers? I mean, going back to 15, 16 with Perez, was that the yeah. dude's name? So, I mean, like we've had, we've had good catchers for so long. You're not used to seeing a guy who he does the thing with the leg out instead of just like crouching. All right, man, like my knees hurt too, but uh, it seems like it makes it harder to get down and, and block the ball, but whatever. I, I'm going to give it to Zanino too. You know, two for two, man. Yep. Date night is going really well. We already agree on this one. Yeah. Oh. It was a big weekend for him, and they needed every hit, every run, and every RBI that he had for them on Sunday. And Sunday's that game that reminds you so much of last season, yeah. what this team is about. And that was just fun to see them win a game like that again. So I'm going to give it to Zanino as well. Now, this one's not going to change at all. Let's move on to our K Jewelers Mound Gems. Every K begins with K. That's perfect. No reason to update that one. Uh, who was the best pitcher for the guards this week? Bieber, Savali, Classe, De Los Santos, Heron, Morgan, Sandlin, and <laughs> yeah, Stefan all right. have 0.00 ERAs. <laughs> Next in line was Cal Quantrill. He's at 7.71. In honor of Danko, I will give you an opportunity to pick just the whole staff if you want to. <laughs> yeah. More particularly, Savali had seven shutout, two hit innings on Saturday. Tim Heron made his major league debut on Sunday and struck out all four of the batters that he faced, which is pretty cool. Yeah. So who's who's getting your mound gem for this week? I'm going to sound like Phil here. They're all really good options. Uh, I like the Heron dude because it's a major league debut and you're, you're striking out four guys in a row. A few weeks ago, uh, maybe two or three, we talked about the back end of this, this starting rotation and that they have to produce uh, for them this year in Savali. There's a lot of doubters. He's got like 20. It seems like he has like 20 different pitches. <laughs> like he has, he and, has eight pitches. Yeah. Right. He throws eight pitches yeah. like regularly and during a like, game. He, it's like, like the neighborhood kid who like breaks windows and dense cars. Like he's probably not going to just blow it by anybody, but it, there's a lot in his bag <laughs> watching that first inning. Like he, he threw five, five different pitches. There's not a guy like that on the staff. And I'm not saying he's a, he's a modern day, like just, 
you're going to find like Bardal and Vaseline all over him. But like to get that kind of start out of this guy this early in the season, when a lot of us are like, well, I don't know about him. It's a big start. So I'm, I'm going to give it to that too. Cause again, he kept a really good lineup in check. I'm going to give it to Heron because it was a cool thing for a rookie to do. Uh, I, I watched the innings that he pitched and he was absolutely filthy. Yeah. I mean, really, really live stuff from that kid. He's a lefty in the bullpen. That's always good to have. Another one of these guys that our farm system just pumps out ready to pitch in the majors. That was really exciting. But I agree with you on Savali. In the next two or three seconds, we're going to get to it because it's really important early in the season that we get good outings from Savali. So why don't we move to some of the -the off-the-field stuff that happened last week with the Guardians? Maybe the biggest thing is that Tristan McKenzie did not make it out of spring training. He was diagnosed with a terrace major muscle strain, which you are going to have to explain to our listeners what it is because <laughs> Denko's not here. <laughs> no. And McKenzie might be out for two months. So, Chuck, what's your diagnosis and prognosis for a terrace major muscle strain? I'm just looking at verbiage here as a wordsmith. Major doesn't sound good. Terrace means tear. Terrace sounds awful. Tear major. And he's out how long? Eight weeks? That was it? Yeah, Six. yeah. Well, you would think Terrace Major would mean longer than, I guess I'm going to look at the bright side of things, not having Dr. Phil with us and say, for a major tear, just, that's not too bad, I guess. I think Terrace <laughs> might be the name of the muscle, but I don't know. Oh, well, shit. We'll... That's why I'm not a doctor. <laughs> One of the reasons. It's a plural of tear. <laughs> so how are the how are the guards going to fill McKenzie's spot for the next two months? I don't think Gaddis did all that bad, you know, like in that, in that spot i don't know if he's he's the answer there and i don't know if the heron dude Boy, can... i think he gave up like four well, runs in like three innings yeah right? that's pretty bad i saw that dude look shaky and then work out of some jams okay uh, his his change up is is pretty filthy and then, like that's a weird spot for some guy to be in and maybe his his hair and his beard were in the way I, d- I don't know there's a lot of hair on that man yeah but if it, if it's it wasn't like this didn't happen last year where there are a lot of guys who made spot starts. There are guys who got called up to do the fill in, then go back down. So I'm not sure who's going to sit in that spot, but you hope again, here's where that back end of that, that starting rotation becomes even more important to this team in the first two months of the season. I have a feeling, especially based on what we saw last year, that there's not going to be a single guy who takes that spot for, for eight weeks. They are going to move people around. I think that, Xavion Curry is probably going to get some starts. I bet you Gaddis, um, there's no reason Gaddis isn't getting more opportunities. He wasn't so bad that you're like, we can't, he's not right. Logan Allen. <laughs> you know, you just knew you needed to get rid of. They are going to fill that spot where they can. We may even see them try like bullpen games and stuff like that to, to get through something. Unfortunate to lose McKenzie because I know that we we're yeah. all really looking forward to what he was going to do this year. But that is probably how they're going to handle that that missing spot in the rotation. And you're right. That's what makes a big game from Plesak tonight, a, a big game from Savali over the weekend. That's what makes those games so important. Yeah. We, we need guys to step up like that. So on to some of the better news from the past week off the field. Guardians were really active in contract extensions for some of their younger players. Andres Jimenez, signed a seven-year, $106 million deal, averages him at about $15 million a year. And Trevor Steffen in the bullpen signed a four-year, $10 million deal, 
averaging about two and a half mil a year. Which one of those was the bigger steal? I, I think it's a Menez, but I'm shocked. Both of those contracts get done. Uh, it's an organization that is built somehow giving reasonable contracts to, to players. They convince who, these guys right, to take this like, shit. You, right. Like, are they brainwashing? That? Is that part of spring training? Like you're brainwashed to the yeah. organization uh, because you look at both of those deals and you go, man, man, these seem like really great value and bargains for, for players who have produced. Uh, and I understand Jimenez is, is very young, but that's what's exciting about the deal. You lock that dude up for seven years at 15 million. Like, yeah, like most of these guys can cough and make 15 million in, in major league baseball. So that's, yeah, I, I like both of them, but for, for the health of the middle infield and for a guy who's going to develop in, into a crucial hitter for this team, I like Jimenez better only because the organization has proved year after year that there are plenty of arms in this farm system and they draft really well. But I, I'm, I'm not saying that that's not a steal at two and a half million or whatever it is. It's it's crazy that somehow <laughs> these guys get it right. Like, I, I don't understand how maybe their agents just aren't great. I, I don't know. Cause I would, <laughs> I would think like Jimenez is, is a 17 to $20 million guy, even after one year. And I would think Stefan yeah. is, is a five to $6 million arm out of the pen for any other team except for here. So again, the organization we beat up sometimes, they sure as shit know what they're doing when it comes to locking up young talent. The the Jimenez one really blows me away because I, I think you're right. He's a guy that in three or four years is getting 17 to 20 on the open market. Now, I'm sure that he's locked up with them for a while. He probably couldn't have been an unrestricted free agent for like another four years or something, but he'd gone through like the arbitration process and stuff like that and would make more money every year. But he's absolutely giving up a couple big-time money years, 20 mil, 25 mil years if he keeps doing what he's doing to to stick with this team at 15 million. I think this that deal is going to be a bargain yeah. five years from now. Absolutely. I guess that makes Jimenez the bigger steal. What I love about this Trevor Steffen deal is the Guardians now have the back end of their bullpen locked up through like 2026 Damn. for a total of like $7 million a year. That's insane. It's, like, it's insane. Fosse yeah. only making like four or five. I looked up Karen check today. Karen check is on like a one-year deal. He can't be an unrestricted free agent until 2027 though. So they can either do one of these deals for him or they can just kind of keep playing the control game uh, and, and keep him on the roster. But it's a little bit how like the NFL, you want to get like your quarterback on that rookie deal and then spend all the money around him. Now we've got like the back end of the team, the back end of the game yeah. completely locked down for almost no fucking money. Yeah. How do they do that? I don't know. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Uh, the other deal that might get done is they're talking about an extension for Rosario. W what type of extension makes sense for the Guardians if they want to do that kind of a deal with Rosario? It's a weird question, only because I, I don't know if it's any more than two years, but you don't see those kind of contracts in, in Major League Baseball. Two years kind of makes sense because... Obviously, you're, you're going to move him at some point. You're, you're, you're thinking that Jimenez will probably move over to short. Not to take anything away from him. He, he didn't have a great series defensively. He made one or two. Like, he got eaten up by some ground balls. But yeah. he's a really steady bat. He produced when we didn't think he would. You know, Ramirez loves the dude. And if it's a two- to three-year deal, he, maybe he's a piece that you could... Like we talked about last year, maybe he's a guy you're <laughs> trading at some point for for what you need, whether it's a bat off the bench or uh, or an arm. But I just like that they continue to keep this group together 
And there's no denying, man, that this guy's part of the group. You know, like even if we think like the, the outfield experiment, great. But like he's part of this group and he delivered for this team last year. I'm not saying that that earns him a contract. I don't think it needs to be any more than two years, though. Uh, but those are really rare in baseball. So he's probably if he has the right agent, unless like the other guys, he's getting a three to seven year deal at five hundred thousand dollars a year, which might happen. <laughs> you want to keep him around, but not for too long. I was thinking about the same thing. About two years, there's too much talent coming up in the middle infield to keep him around. He's great for the team. I th- I think I like him a lot more than a lot of Cleveland fans do. Uh, I definitely like him a lot more than a lot of Cleveland fans on Twitter do. <laughs> but it doesn't make a lot of sense to sign him to five years or something like that, right. or even four. Uh, I-, I think you you want to have him for a couple and and then be able to move him if you need to. So. Be interesting to see what they do, man. They, I, I don't know if there are enough internal reasons or enough, this guy's too good for our clubhouse, let's get him paid and keep him here longer. I don't know. I don't buy that's going to happen. All right, let's get back on the field. Next week, guards are still West Coast rolling with three games in Oakland, one of which is going on tonight, and Plesek is not doing the job we need him oh, to do. No. Um, but three in Oakland, and they come back to the land for the home opener and three more against the Mariners. Over-under on wins this week, three and a half? I'll take the over. I don't buy Oakland. I think the Mariners are a good team. Different when you get at home, I guess, even though we just took three or four from them there. I, I still I'd feel confident in the – but then again, what, is it supposed to be – you know, like 37 and chance of snow for that home series. Yeah, I don't know. know like, I don't know what the weather like, is going to be 70 yeah. here on Wednesday and then 40 the next day. So it's a little bit like that, but I think you're pretty safe at three and a half. I, I like what I saw, at least in one series, the bullpen looks awesome. Class a looks dominant. You're getting timely hitting when you need it. The defense again, what this team's built on, I, I'd be, I'd be comfortable with the over. I'm taking the over too. I like it. I think that they can take a couple from Oakland. I think take a couple when they get home. So it looks like to me it's going to be a winning week for the guards, but we'll see. Mostly I'm just super excited to get to spend about 20 minutes talking nothing yeah. Guardians baseball and mostly really good news. So I will look forward to more week caps in the coming weeks. But for now, we are going to take our first break of the night. We're going to come back, head out on the court, talk some calves. Welcome back, Chucky, to our second segment. (laughs) We're going to head out on the court. We will start with our sip of wine and gold, our weekly Cavs recap. And I, for one, am really glad that no one bet one of their kids' lives on the Cavs last (laughs) week. (laughs) The shorthanded Cavs lost a battle in Atlanta, then got bullied in a loss to the Knicks before bouncing back for a something less than impressive win over the Pacers on Sunday night. Cavs finished the week 49 and 30, still in the four seed. The magic number to lock that spot down for the playoffs is one. That's it. One stinking win (laughs) or a loss by the Knicks is all they need. But scale of one to five, one being black box Sauvignon Blanc has a candy and household cleaner nose, (laughs) reminiscent Mm. of nail polish remover, (laughs) won't ever drink again. Five being Sunset Rosé from Chateau Huff Winery on East 66th. How would you rate the Cavs week? Weird. 
like you're saying, start of the week out, it's a weird game, showed their lack of depth. The Knicks game became a track meet, didn't play their game like they should, lacked effort for three quarters against the player, uh, the Pacers. So this late in the season, I'm going to do it, man. It's a one. Oh, <laughs> oh, man. Well, it was bad. That game in Atlanta was a really good game. And, you know, they're playing without Allen and Okoro. Yeah. So, I mean, that's to go on the road against a team that's really fighting to stay alive in the play-in and stuff like that. That that was a game that, gosh, they should have won, but it, I didn't hate it. Uh, the Knicks game was atrocious. Uh, I mean, you're calling it a track. I mean, I just think they got their asses kicked in every phase of the game by the Knicks. One of those games where the only person who wanted to be there playing for the Cavs was Donovan Mitchell, and everybody else just felt like they were going through the motions. Same a little bit with the Pacers game, even to the point when they were down, I think, like eight or ten late in the third or early in the fourth. I turned it off and went to bed. I'm like, I can't watch (laughs) this happen again. I can't watch an 0-3 week. And I was very pleasantly surprised when I woke up in the morning that they had pulled it out. But I'm not as far down as you. I'm not going to give it a one. I'll I'll give (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to give it like a two because – it really concerns me that it just didn't look like the effort was there yeah. for so many of these games. That's what you don't want to see two weeks before the playoffs start. But let me make it hard on you. Oh. Raise your glass. Toast to your favorite Cav of the week. Donovan Mitchell, first Cav ever with th- three straight 40-point games. Absolutely amazing. Darius Garland, uh, he had 27 points and five assists against the Hawks. 20 and 9 against the Knicks, 20 and 6 against the Pacers. Mr. Consistency, Dean Wade scored five points twice. <laughs> Last one, Isaac Okoro for showing us all how bad rebounding and defense look when he's not in the game. So, <laughs> who gets your toast for the week, Chuck? There's really no other choice other than Donovan Mitchell. Because it looked like the rest of the team for the rest of the week was going through the motions. And like you said, he's the only guy still playing. So that's good. Your superstar's playing well going to the playoffs. Um, You can't literally, if I'm going to ask you who, you can't give it to anybody else, right? Like You just can't. He had 40 in three games. You're absolutely right. There's nobody else to give it to. There's nobody else that I want to give it to. I mean, even Garland had a good week. but, But Donovan Mitchell's otherworldly. Anytime... You you set some sort of team scoring record for a Cavs team that has two runs from LeBron James in its history. Uh, you're doing something special, yeah. uh, and what he did all week was something special. I watch these games, and you you have that thing that you always want on a team. Your best player is the one hustling and playing as hard as he possibly can. Why isn't this rubbing off more on the uh-huh. younger players on the team? It's just, it's a tough week, you know, like with the with Allen and Arcoro out, that changes your rotation drastic. Like you're, you're putting Dean Wade in there, as you know, like like yeah, which, which I guess is great because you're seeing him for a playoff rotation, uh, if it's possible. Ah. But I'm mean, I'm just saying maybe <laughs> my my coach beard like scares <laughs> me. Don't ever say Dean Wade is in the playoff rotation again. Yeah, but just the, the lack of depth really kind of shows itself out in at least in that in that Hawks game, the the Nick game. I look at that as the most important game of the week because realistically, that's probably your playoff matchup. Yep. When I said it, it became a track meet, it concerns me that 
arguably their best player. Like Julius Randle didn't even play in that game, but then you don't have Allen or Coro. It, it felt like a preseason NFL game. It was just like super vanilla. Mobley only takes eight shots. Like the, the, yeah. the, the heater this guy's been on for the last two months, why is he only getting eight shots? They were crushed on the boards. And when you score 116 points in the NBA, you typically win that game. Uh, but 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 they yeah. did not. Uh, what I meant, like the pace of the game was just too fast. Like they need their time for their bigs to set up on, on defense. And it's not like you're saying like Garland uh, had, a, had a good game there too. Like they both shot the lights out between him and Mitchell. But you need time for those bigs to set up their defense. It looked like Mobley was just running foul line. Like he's running gassers all night. You never really got set up on D. And, and that's that's how you lose that game. Kind of like a boxer, right? Like you can't bend to your opponent's will and fight that fight. And that's what they did which scares me for a series if that's who, who they're playing. I don't know why he doesn't rub off. Like the, uh, Superstars are superstars for a reason. They don't take nights off. I'm not sure we saw Donovan Mitchell take a night off all year unless he had that like nagging finger injury or, or right. whatever. There's a reason superstars are superstars, and that guy's just one of them. So I, I don't know how much he can rub off <laughs> Dean Wade. <laughs> Watching the game Friday night and Sunday night, and remembering back to the beginning of the year where I felt like, gosh, you know, maybe Dean Wade's going to be the answer at the yeah. small four. He's another big body. He's kind of like a, a younger Kevin Love. Maybe he's got that similar type of game. That dude just can't make a shot anymore. I don't know if it's in his head or maybe he was just never any good, which is weird because they signed him to like a long-term deal. But he he looked awful. He looked bad. And they were bad in that game against the Knicks. And they were lucky that the Pacers are a bad team missing like three starters for that game on Sunday because uh, it was a lot closer than it should have been. While we're on the subject, how about a playoff sneak peek? During the last week, as we've discussed, the Cavs were out-rebounded in every single game. Their defensive rating, that is normally 110, slipped all the way down to 122. Now, I have no idea what those numbers mean. <laughs> that sounds really bad. So, bad week? Or a big concern for the playoffs? Bad week. When you're getting production from your your stars and your superstars, that's always a good thing. And you're missing two starters. Jared Allen is a disruptor at all times. Okoro has played serviceably to not even better than what we expected towards this playoff run. I just think it was a it was a bad week. And plus, you got to remember, man, they really don't have much to play for after that Nick game, right? Like you're playing for the fourth playoff spot and maybe home, but it looks like you're, you're assured of that. So anything where you thought you might have a chance at that third seed, it's just not happening. And that's the first time I think on Sunday, they weren't playing a meaningful game all year long, which is a weird thing to say for, for any organization. So weird week. And hopefully it just flushes out of their system. And, and this week you beat up on the magic, whoever they have left on the schedule. And, and then you roll straight into probably the Knicks. I think the only concern I have is that you're absolutely right that without Okoro, you start to mess with the rotation because now you got to put Levert in the starting rotation or you've got to start Dean Wade. Mm -hmm. And I, I think Levert has gotten so good coming off the bench. You don't yeah. want to mess with that second lineup, but you don't want to start Dean Wade in any circumstance. And if Okoro's not ready for the playoffs, with like somebody asked JB about it on Sunday. And he said, like, we don't have an answer for right. that yet. And I don't know if it's lying season and it's just what they're saying. Or is there really a chance that this dude who's played in every game before he got hurt is not going to be around for the for the playoffs? And that's 
that that worries me some. So we'll see. Man, the defense slipping and just a complete lack of rebounding last week was was tough yeah. to watch because it hasn't been that way all season. They've been good at those two things, but we'll see. All right, next week, final week of the regular season. Cavs are back in action tomorrow and Thursday night in Orlando against the better-than-they-should-be Magic and close out the season in the land Sunday against the as-bad-as-they-should-be Hornets. <laughs> so what body part are you willing to bet that the Cavs get one win this week? Man. Well, give me something good, like an ear, a tongue, something. Oh, I was going to go like <laughs> pinky toe because you don't really need it. And who knows what's going to happen in the last week of the season if they start sitting everybody and, you know, like that second unit gets a lot more minutes. Uh, but for the sake of the show, how about um, my my left middle finger? That's the one that I often throw up when I'm upset at somebody while I'm driving. <laughs> I appreciate that. I'm going to go with my pinky toe. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I- I'd be willing to give up a thumb. Oh. Um, because they're going to win. They have to win one of these games because they are not a good road team. They need to have home court advantage for that first round. So they need to get this one win. They're playing three games against teams that are bad. They should be able to get this done. I'm willing to bet my left thumb. All right. My my best thumbs up thumb. Uh, <laughs> Your hitchhiking thumb. <laughs> my hitchhiking thumb. <laughs> Um, that the Cavs are getting one win this week. That'll wrap up our sip of wine and gold. Let's move on and just talk about the NBA. The final week means that we get to take one last look at who may be in or who may be out of the playoffs. So let's start in the East, where somehow the Nets are still breathing. They won three in a row. They now have a two-game lead over the Heat for the final spot in the playoffs. This week, the Nets play the Wolves the Pistons, the Magic, and the 76ers. The Heat plays the Pistons, 76ers, Wizards, and Magic. Who's getting in? Why do they have so many games this week? <laughs> Comparatively, it's a lot of games. Uh, and it seems yeah. like they're playing some of the same. I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna go with the Nets. Uh, completely dismantled your superstar-laden team. Uh, already, like Ben Simmons, who's not a superstar, is probably not coming back. But just oh, to buck done. the system, why not just make the playoffs and, and get bounced out really quickly i'm gonna go with the heat because i think that the nets actually have a tougher schedule like they got to play the wolves that are a playoff team they got to play the 76ers are a playoff team and the magic are better than they're supposed to be we're going to get to that in a little bit but uh, i think the heat have a little bit easier run they do have to make up two games but i could see the nets going one and three next week and losing out to the heat moving on if nothing changes the Hawks and the Raptors will play in the 8-9 play-in game. Who will you be rooting for, Trey Young or Drake? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to root for Drake because usually Drake's a curse once they move on. Like Drake usually being anywhere means that that Toronto team's probably going to use or any Toronto team. But let's be honest, like I, I think there's a natural rivalry uh, between the Hawks and the Cavs. And even though like the, the Raptors aren't a great matchup typically for the Cavs, not too big of a deal, I think, this year as compared to years past. So uh f- the hawks love dominique wilkins forever but i don't want to see them anywhere near the playoffs i don't really think the way it works out that the Cavs would play either one of these teams until they got to like the eastern conference final so i appreciate that you're laying the groundwork there for, yeah, uh, for a Cavs final run but um <laughs> i think i'm going to be rooting for drake uh just because i have a family connection now to the city of toronto my granddaughter will be turning one years old hey congrats pappy so thanks man 
Happy birthday to little baby Andy. So I'm going with Drake and the Raptors. I hope that they win that game because I kind of started to hate Trey Young and the Hawks. But let's look out west. The Lakers are a half game behind the Warriors for the last playoff spot. Who is getting in? Or have you ever been a bigger Laker fan than you will be this week? <laughs> Lakers have the Jazz, the Clippers, the Suns, and the Jazz again. The Warriors have the Thunder, and then they're on the road where they're terrible against the Kings and the Trailblazers. I've, I've pretty much established the fact that I don't know if I hate a franchise more in all of sport than the Warriors. So I'm going with the Lake Show, man. Like we talk about the Lakers, we watched Winning Time, and and just you know I, I can't stand the Warriors. It'd be nice to, for them to sit home for once in the last 15 years, 10 to 15 years. Well, they just get sent to the play-in, but yeah. even that. Even that sounds like some fun. I'd like to see them in the play-on. I'm with you. Go Lakers. Go LeBron. Right now, real fast, who's the best team in the West? Oh, you know what? Even though they probably don't have the best record, I'm going to say the Kings. I got to know where they shoot the lights out. Uh, exciting team that I hope does some real damage and kind of resets that Western Conference for a franchise that hasn't been all that great for the last, well, forever. <laughs> Uh, Jason Williams and like, um, oh, that's Weber, true. Yeah, right? Chris Weber. Yeah. yeah, that was probably yeah, the last that, time that was, they ran. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Maybe we were in college or something for that. It was a long time ago. That yeah. that's bad. If you were the last time you were good was when we were in college. <laughs> yeah. It's been a really long time since you were good. <laughs> go Browns. I'm gonna go with the Suns. They're yeah. six and zero now with Durant in the lineup, and I just think that team is loaded. And if he can stay healthy, they're they're ready for a run. I mean, he's just too good. He's yeah. just too good. I know we don't like him either. Mm -hmm. he, he's just really good. So I think it's going to be the Suns. Sticking with the NBA, we need to do one final side piece check-in. And oh. the standings in our side piece challenge from the beginning of the season. Chuck, your side pieces were the Celtics and the Rockets. Between the Celtics wins and the Rocket losses, you had 114 points. You have run away with this thing. Congratulations. Thank you. You are the for sure going to be the winner of the side piece challenge. So Burke is losing for sure. I don't, I, I suppose if the Warriors win out and the Pacers lose out, he can catch Denko. But right now it's 92 to 86. I have a feeling Burke is going to be in the Burke basement for the side piece challenge. But the real competition is for second place. I have the Bucks and the Magic. Bucks wins, Magic losses got me to 100 points. Miller has the Clippers and the Spurs. Clippers wins, Spurs losses got him to 99. Who's finishing second? As the guy who's run away with this, ain't first, you're last. But this is my first date night with you. You know, I'm trying to smooth up and impress you and make you feel comfortable. Uh, I think you win this thing when you come in number two. I think it's going to be me as well. I'm going to put my faith in the Cavs to get two wins over the magic this week and drive that number up. And I, I don't think the bucks have clinched home court for the entire playoffs yet. So I think they need to get at least like one win this week too. So fingers crossed, I'm going to get that done, but I know we are going to be on the court, but now we're going to move onto the course because it's one of the best weeks of the entire year. Let's go to Augusta national in Georgia and let's talk masters week and let's do it with our bet stamp bet of the week, and let's talk about who is winning the Masters. The four players who are at the top of the odds to win, in no particular order, Rory McIlroy, 
Scotty Scheffler, Jordan Spieth, and John Rahm. If you had to take one of those guys, who are you taking? I'm going to take Rahm, uh, even though he's played like shit lately. We're close. If you add Baldo to the end of Rom, we're we're close enough. So Rom Baldo, I'm I'm just gonna go that way. All right. So if you were putting your money down on John Rom tonight to win the Masters, and you hopped on BetStamp, your low end odds would be plus eight fifty. That's pretty good. The best odds you can get are at Barstool for plus nine hundred. Better. So not bad. Hey, yeah. John Rom can pull it off, man. Um, that's a pretty nice payday for you. I think I'm gonna go with Spieth. I think he's finally started this year to turn it around. He had a few years where he just couldn't get it figured out, uh, and he's starting to get a little bit better. So I'm going to go with him, but according to Betstamp, that might not be a very good idea. <laughs> the low end of the Spieth odds to win are plus 1,500. The best odds I can get are at BetMGM, plus 1,800. So Jordan Spieth is in the top four players odds wise to win the masters and you can get them at plus 1800, which tells you something about betting on golf. <laughs> I think it means it's a bad idea, man. It is too much of a crapshoot. but don't tee off without bet stamp. The premier spot to shop all the lines and odds available to make sure you get an edge, get the best numbers, get the best odds, get the best with bet stamp and check it with that. We are going to wrap up our second segment, we're going to take our final break. We want to head off the field and have some fun. Welcome back, Chucky, to our final segment. We're going to head off the field. And our first date night is going pretty great. Yeah. But I think it's really important to use that first date to get to know somebody a little bit. So welcome to From the Land, Getting to Know You, oh. our chance to get to know Chuck Rambaldo. <laughs> Now, with that said, I'm willing to guess that there are maybe a half a dozen people, maybe 10 at most in the world that know you better than I do. You think I'm exaggerating or you think I'm close? I think you're close. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. I'll take that. But despite that, I think there's still like a ton of shit I don't know about you. So here we go. Let's get to know Chuck Rambaldo a little bit better. All right. What's your favorite color? Purple. Why purple? A few different reasons, uh, LSU being one of them. Okay. Yeah. All right. I think I read somewhere that like people whose favorite color is purple are like three times as likely to be psychopaths. So that's excellent. You don't, you don't seem like a psychopath at all. That's all right. All right. So do you vote for Biden or Trump? <laughs> don't answer that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Before our date night tonight, what was your last first date? Oh, uh, with my wife. I was assuming it was with your yeah, wife. <laughs> yeah, my last first date was with my wife. It was kind of unofficial, but we went uh, to a Blake Shelton concert. So uh, that it was a it was a good date. I didn't know how it was going. I thought it was going pretty well. She was doing all the like the playful stuff, like kind of like pushing and touching on me. Uh, and then we oh, went yeah. somewhere Good went time. somewhere afterwards uh, with a, like a smaller group of people and somebody had to leave. She had to drive them home. And I'm like, there's no way she's coming back. So like, I'll be back. I'm like, yeah, no way. This is, this is it. Yeah. We came back. Uh, so yeah, that was All my right. first day. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Was the show in Erie? It was. Yeah. Okay. So no like long, uncomfortable car ride down to Pittsburgh. We no. I think of stuff to say. Yeah. None All of right. that. Nope. What was your favorite breakfast cereal as a kid? Pretty Pebbles. All right, good. One. Not as good now, though. Probably not. <laughs> yeah, no. 
What's your favorite breakfast cereal now? Uh, Super Golden Crisp, maybe? I don't eat a lot of cereal, but that's a pretty good one. Which of these do you think would be the worst question to ask on a first date? First one, anybody know you're here? (laughs) Next one, so why are you single? Next one, do you care if I let one rip? (laughs) And last one, so when is daddy going to get some? Oh, God. Which of those would be the worst question for me to ask on our date tonight? I think number one, it, there's a, a a very layered level of creepiness to that question. <laughs> so I'll, I'll sit on one, even though they're all not great. No, no, none of them are good. None of them are good. I, I was actually surprised that the internet did not provide me with more examples of bad questions to ask on a first date. There are yeah. lots of like what are the best questions to ask and lots of like icebreaker questions and stuff like that. But (laughs) disappointed that, you know, those were the best four that I could find on the internet. None of which were my idea. None of which I've ever used on a date. Did you ever use dating apps while you were still single and dating? Never. I thought about it because I was uh, a little more aged uh, and didn't know where the where the pool would be at for my life, but no, never used them. I wonder if we were just um we were just a little bit too old. Like yeah, they started to become a little bit more prevalent after we had kind of aged out of right, like the dating scene a little bit. All right, so what was the last book you read or listened to? I think oh God, read. I think it was Underground Airlines. So it's a really interesting book. It had a much more modern. It's. it's I'm going to describe it really terribly. Uh, a modern take on on slavery in instead of Underground Railroad. Uh, it kind of went in a different way. It was a little more modern. It was a good book, but yeah, I, I can't describe it in an efficient way here. It just sounds weird, so I'm going to let it go. And did you read it or listen to it? Read it. Do you like having the book to read, or do you read on like a Kindle or like an iPad or something? Uh, book. I like turning pages. Um, I like. It's weird. I like because we've always read books. Uh, uh, the feel, the smell. Uh, there, there's something a little different about it. So yeah, I'm, I, I like the actual physical copy. And I've read stuff on a on an iPad, and it's just it's it's different. It's not the same. Are you reading something right now that you're not done with? Um, I don't think so. No, I'm not reading anything lately. When do you think you were faster? When you were 18 or 25? <laughs> uh, eight, 18. Probably, even though I st- I can still get the speed going. Uh, I'm pretty sure 18, my physical peak, uh, strength shoes were just a little bit farther away from the regimen. So yeah, I think 18, I was at my top speed. That actually surprises me. I would have figured with like college ball and, and you know, strength and conditioning programs up yeah. there and stuff like that, you would have gotten faster and still, still maybe hung on to some of it by 25. That's like three years after though, right? Like yeah, two I guess three you're right. years. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, 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 a lot of beer league softball in there. I right on, yeah, just hitting dingers then. Right. Cecil Fielder over there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so other than Cleveland and Erie, what's your favorite city? Ooh, Myrtle Beach. <laughs> <laughs> I had a lot of good times in uh, Cincinnati uh, growing up. I have a lot of good memories there. Uh, New York City, when my, my wife lived there for almost two years, so I got to spend some time there, realizing that 48 hours was about my precipice after that. I became very angry. <laughs> um, 
And even now, like as much as this is going to pay me to say, uh, Pittsburgh is not a bad city to be around either. I, I like Pittsburgh a lot. I think yeah. Pittsburgh is a really fun city. I you know I hate the Steelers. Right. right. Um, yeah. I don't. I don't hate the city. And the people are all basically the same as the people in Cleveland. There's no reason to dislike it's that. Very true. Yeah. So what did you like about New York? Some of the things I like and hate at the same time. It felt beyond vibrant. 24 hours a day there it was alive there 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 is a feeling that is indescribable unless you've been there a few times to know that yeah but it's also the same thing like there's people everywhere 24 hours a day like there's no getting away from anyone uh and there's no green space it's all concrete but that that was a thing like just being around that amount of humanity uh was something i had never experienced um and then it became a a little bit like this is too much and that's enough so if you haven't been there like you should go at least once or twice to at least experience it i agree uh we've been there a couple of times i think i've been there three times and i'm kind of with you i i love a weekend um i love the energy yeah i don't love the smell too much <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> but i love that i, I love all the different people you know like tammy loves walking down the street and hearing like five different languages going you know yeah. like th that kind of thing and you New York is so unique to that. It makes it cool. But who's a better cook, your wife or your mom? Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, damn it. I guess it kind of depends what it is, but I'm going to I'm gonna say my mom. You want me to take that part out? Very quiet. <laughs> your wife no. doesn't listen anyway. Your wife yeah, doesn't no, listen yeah, anyway, right? You're, you're good. It's mom. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what is the best advice you ever got from your parents? It's, it's tattooed on my arms. My family is my life, and my life is my family. Is that from your mom or your uh, my dad first? And then my mom kind of became the mantra. So yeah, dad first. What is the most embarrassing TV show that you like? <laughs> I, I, I think if we're saying right now, probably Vanderpump Rules. Oh, Chuck. Uh, yeah. yeah. Watched a little bit of it during the pandemic. The, the, my wife was watching it and I was like, this is terrible. And then you just kind of sit through it. Now you're invested. Now with all that's going on, there's a lot of drama this season uh so i have i have watched if uh, i've watched some of it and, and want to say i hate it but like no there, there's something to that reality show that makes me want to watch it every week well i appreciate you being willing to admit that that had to be <laughs> yeah. harder than the mom wife cook thing for it, sure. yeah it is what's your favorite part of doing this show oh man there's a few different things it allows me to um see lifelong friends every week and have uh a, a few bush lights or natty lights, maybe some bourbon uh, and interact with uh, two of my favorite people on the planet. Uh, but it also keeps me super current. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's sports or pop culture. Um, it, it makes me seek out stuff or, and, and like recommendations from you guys, whether they're TV shows or music or movies or, or whatever uh, stuff that wasn't on my radar that I can discover. But, but mostly it's the fact that I've known you and Phil for 20 odd years and it's really nice to see you once a week. Good deal. All right, so that is getting to know you with From the Land. We all get to know Chuck Rambaldo a little bit better, but we can't spend the whole night talking about Chuck. So we are going to move on, and we're going to talk first about Succession. Now, we're a little off because Episode 2 came out last night, uh, but neither of us have seen it yet. So we're going to look back a little bit at Episode 1, and then we're going to look forward. Talking about Episode 1 best possible line that can also be a t-shirt slogan <laughs> greg's fingers or squeezing my one percent <laughs> greg's fingers 
you don't want to go with, with Connor wanting to spend a hundred million dollars so that he can maintain his one percent in the presidential election. Just asinine, beyond like asinine. That entire like little arc that happened in the show where he's saying he has to protect the one percent and people are thinking yeah. he's a joke. But the the Greg's fingers thing uh, was maybe the highlight because it led to some other really great lines. Yeah. Oh, when Logan said it, man, that was the funniest part of the entire episode. I think that was outstanding. But I love the way that Connor has already changed to dressing like he's a presidential candidate. You know, like he looks so much more like a politician than he has in prior seasons. And I can't figure out if Willow is that that's the name of his fiance or wife, right? Fiance. Yeah. I, I don't know if she's actually supporting him. Or she's just like egging him on because she thinks he's such a clown and she like just doesn't give a fuck, you know? I think it's a little bit of both. Yeah, you think yeah. so? I do, yeah. Because I think if I remember correctly, like when he if he proposed or whatever it was the last season and she like her reaction was like, Yeah, okay, whatever. Like, let's just do this. Like she knew like yeah. this is insanity, but how else is she gonna be set up more for life than with that family? Exactly. Looking ahead, if you had to put odds on it. What are the chances that the Roy kids actually end up owning PGN at the end of the season? Is that what they made the bid on? Was it was that yeah, that's a Pierce okay. News Network? Yeah, yeah, okay. Everything about this episode was just so well done. It's a microcosm of the entire season. So watching those kids put together this plan for the hundred or whatever it was called, and yeah. they literally said it's this that meets this, that meets that. Like it's all these other things. Uh, and then they became super wishy-washy within like two minutes of discussing it. But the microcosm is that they knew PGN might be available. That became the easier route to bid on that. They've never built anything. That's the difference between them and their father. And the easy way is just to make this large bids. Uh, so I, I would assume the percentage, let's say 70% that they're they're actually going to own it because oh. they, they, they've been a, a very large number. And I think for storyline purposes, they, they need it, even though... All of them were looking to go in other directions while they were having the discussion. It was it was a it was a great episode. Weird though, yeah. some of the dialogue. I think the problem for them is going to be that in order to, if there's going to be a problem, in order to get the money to make the down payment on their ten billion dollar purchase, <laughs> they need the sale to Gojo to go through. Oh, I think that's where they're going yeah. to get all their yeah, money. You're right. Isn't Logan exactly the guy who's going to be like, screw it. I'm not going to, I'm going to find a way to ruin this deal so that my kids can't get enough money to go out and, and buy. Yeah, and that's where, that's where it may be. That's where it may be headed. I just think it's bonkers to, to think in there's a world where people are just like, yes, let's go up to 10 billion <laughs> for this. We'll pay 10 billion. We don't, we don't actually have any of that money in our hands right now, but we'll figure yeah. it out. We'll just buy this thing for 10 billion. That was nuts. So what are you looking forward to in the next couple episodes of Succession? Roman not being the voice of reason like he was in this episode. He yeah. seemed the most stable, which is completely awkward uh, comparatively to where, where he's at. You know, I, I'm interested in the Shiv Tom stuff. I thought they did a really great, like the, the scene with them in the apartment at the oh, end yeah. was so well done. Uh, and you could tell like any man, like this is a much larger level. But any man who's ever been jilted and he wanted to explain how he's been hurt and she just still blows it off. Yeah. Uh, was almost heartbreaking for him. So what I want to see over the next few episodes, that that the, the continued power struggle. I I I loved like how how does Greg keep falling like ass upwards into a power struggle? Like he's there when it met. Like I like the yeah. dis- I want to see more disgusting brother talk. You know? <laughs> 
um, but but ultimately, I want I want to see. I I don't think like the backhandedness is done between the kids and their father. I think one of them breaks ranks somewhere somehow. It just seems like the right thing to do that one of them is going to get super gun shy. You started to see that when they were talking about the hundred and Shiv saying, "Well, I might have this candidate that I need to do." Like they're all looking for ways yeah. out of attacking their father. It feels like at least at this point. In the in the preview for the second episode that came out last night, I think you already start to see that like Roman had texted Logan like wish him a happy birthday oh. or something like that, and they're all saying like whoa 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 what are you doing? I don't believe we're gonna go an entire season with the kids together on this. Like it's it's gonna come apart for them. I think I'm looking forward to like Tom becoming truly truly a hundred percent like cold-blooded like darth vader like this is it he's got no reason to stick with shiv anymore he he really needs to start doing the things that are going to solidify his position and especially where it stands right now with you know the kids trying to buy pierce uh, i think he's going to be more willing to not be kind to his wife and her siblings and just solidify his place with uh with logan we'll see as usual we got to wash succession off with something that feels good. <laughs> so how about a little Ted Lasso? We're three episodes into the season. Thus far, who's the worst new character? Zava or Shandy? Zava makes me laugh. Uh, Shandy might be a little bit annoying. Uh, and I don't know where, where that's going. So I'm I'm going to say her. It's Shandy, but it's closer than I thought it would be. Uh, because I, I have a feeling things with Zava are going to go badly at some point. Like it seems pretty good right now. He's got the guys all doing like yoga and they're winning all these games and stuff like that. And he is like this superstar. I feel like that eccentric side of Zavo, which they've already kind of teased, is going to come out and it's it's going to get ugly, I think, with Zava and Richmond. And I feel like Jamie Tart is going to save the day. That's probably going to be the the arc that we're on. So what did you think of episode three? There's another really good episode. You saw a little more development. You saw a little more conflict that might happen with some secondary characters that I don't really need to get into. But but overall, I didn't mind. The, I think that might have been the first time we got a montage of of wins and seeing you know like seeing the standings yeah. going up. Oh, that was great. Yeah, yeah and that was, meant less actual soccer footage. Yeah, which was exactly. Also nice. Right. Yeah, it does look like Zav is a little more athletic than what they put out previously like yes past soccer players so yeah i'll take that uh what i liked most about this episode is that you're starting to see the bond uh between um jamie and roy kent where he said i can train you and, and you're hoping like that's you know like th these guys have come full circle uh not that they'll ever be like great friends but you can see like he's going to make him more of the shape of a leader and a player and, and, and it became very funny when he yelled at him and then threw the thing on the wall and uh, anywho like hilarity should ensue between those two as he trains him I, I did like the episode a lot for you know how it's kind of progressing like a bunch of different storylines like you had the whole thing with like rebecca and sam and you know she went no. to the the psychic you've got roy and and jamie but you've also got roy and keely not done yet obviously uh, you've got the storyline I think is going to be an interesting one is about the the gay player yeah. and his boyfriend gets spotted in the alley by Trent Krim. And like, what's Trent Krim going to do with that? And it was a really good episode for telling a really good story, but also setting up, you know, like a bunch of different storylines going forward. So another another great Ted Lasso episode. I'm really enjoying that. Looking forward to only a couple days. We'll get to see another one. So. 
But Chuck, oh. all good things must come to an end. <laughs> Date night is over. We are out of time. I am out of questions for now. And we just did the whole show without mentioning that Praz from the Fugees is on trial for financial fraud. And today, Leonardo DiCaprio testified as one of the witnesses. With that news that, surprisingly, Ludington, Michigan is not proving to be a great spot for landing sweet rapper clients. I hope you have a great week, and let's get together and do this again real soon. I, I will first say absolutely, because Phil does that, but Praz, not even Wyclef? <laughs> date night is going really well we already agree on this one yeah oh might get in your pants later (laughs) not gonna use that (laughs) two hit innings on i think on saturday nor on friday saturday this week you beat up on the magic whoever they have left on the schedule and, and then you roll straight into probably the knicks josh naylor just hit the ball like a fucking mile. That's good to hear. Fantastic. Let off that, the fourth with a home run. All that extra LB. Let's be honest. Like, I, I think there's a natural rivalry. Ri- I'm going to, man, rivalry between the good. Hawks. There we go. Oh, by the way, the guards are putting up some runs now. It's 6 5. Excellent. One out in the fourth. Miles Straw just hit a double, brought in two runs. Oh, boy. Fantastic. When you come in number two, Behind me, which is exactly where I want you on date night. Jesus, Chuck. <laughs> so, I, I like it when you turn into Miller. That's fantastic. Were you ever, ah, oh man, two-run home run? You're a little bit ahead of me. Damn it. Oh, gosh. That's a laser. Yeah. Ugh. Boy, this Curry guy, has been. they've been hitting him hard all night. Yeah. Uh, even the outs have been... They've been deep outs. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I wonder if he's related to Steph Curry. I don't think so. By the way, Ramirez just singled. We've got two guys on. It's 8-7 in the top yeah. of the six with two outs. Pretty sure my feed just uh, died a little while ago. Uh, that's all right. Uh, Josh Bell just grounded out to end the inning. Damn it, Josh Bell. Not a, not a good-looking swing, big fella. They showed Tiger on Sports Center today, like walking around at a uh, on a practice round at at Augusta, and man, he he looks so gimpy. Like he has a, it's almost like I think he's just like, I've just got to grit through the walking portions, and then when I get onto the tee, I can just my swing is fine. Yeah, like I've found a way to swing without pain. Oh, there's Jimenez doubled on the line. That'll score at least one. That's a good start. Like he looks fine. They showed him on like the range and stuff, like swinging and stuff. And he like, you're okay, man. Like he looks fluid. He looks athletic. He looks fine. And you see him walking down like a hill or something like that at yeah. Augusta because it's such an up and down course. Yeah. Oh boy. And his That's odds aren't like... that bad. Like his, it, it, I don't know if it's like seventy five to one. I think I looked at some. Uh, of the that's odds like today. that might be seventy-five to one to make the cut. Oh, it might be make the cut. Yeah, but to yeah, but to win, he's he's probably plus. They might not even give you an odd 
give you odds for that one. Everybody's got um, odds. There's odds everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to BetStamp.com. Thanks for reminding me, too, to, to jump in. I completely forgot Tursic sent that thing. I'm like, yeah, of course. Yeah, I'm like, there's no Gamble. way. Like, looking at the no. list, I'm like, there's no Gamble way. everything. Out on this. No. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm in a prime draft slot, too, and I don't know who the hell I should take it to. Well, we're going to talk about, you yeah. know, we're going to do our bet stamp part about that, but let's look at what his... I didn't really look at this. I'm drafting near the fucking bottom, so I didn't look too yeah. closely at it. How about Jack Burke ripping the ball and uh Yeah. <laughs> it's like everybody loves yeah, I was just gonna be like, you only pitched three innings, what a fucking pussy. <laughs> See, I wouldn't I wouldn't pick Scheffler. Yeah, because he would be back to back, right? And that's really fucking hard. It's impossible. Like I don't Everybody thinks Rory's playing so well. I don't understand why. Rom is always a good. He has been playing well. A good pick. Up. Yeah. Um. That Cam Smith, Xander Shoffley, Will Zalatoris group. Like, all right, those are th- there's three guys I think who could, who could do this. But you know what the interesting thing is, and where this gets a little bit screwy, is you've got a ton of awesome players who are in like the long shot list because. They haven't been on the tour, so they don't have the ranking that these yeah. guys all have, you know, because they've been playing live. So Dustin Johnson, Patrick Reed, um, Danny Willett, uh, he's Kepka used to be good. Yeah. Your boy Bryson DeChambeau. Uh, yes. Um there's some really good players who are in these long shot groups just because they're they haven't been on the tour. How's the breast milk situation? The breast milk situation is okay. Okay, uh, good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we we realized um Whitney, because now she's getting older, started putting like you put cereal in the milk, not like fruity pebbles like you would think. Oh, I thought you and, meant Whitney was getting older. I'm like, whoa, 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 no, whoa, whoa. No, no. Don't, don't say that right uh, in front of she's, her. No, because she's getting older, like you put that in, and we think both times she had the vomiting she's it was when there was some cereal in her bottle so oh, okay you might have some food allergies which is you know for a little baby that's that's no good but the milk frozen in august she sucked it all down today and has not puked it up so the milk is just fine the milk is great okay good <laughs> right, deal. Ba- hey, babe, how much out. milk you want me to bring her over when she starts pumping later no or? never <laughs> jesus christ no Herb said never but he did say make a white russian out of it yeah i'll make jokes about the milk i'm not gonna make jokes about the production facility (laughs) which is um the uh one of our least watched youtube clips is the breast milk discussion i thought it's great not very popular for some reason fantastic i thought it was hilarious it's a nice grab dang Yeah, you should pump right now. They look very full. Oh my god! We talk around part here. Of this seems this seems far too intimate for for me, man. I, I'm I'm uncomfortable intimate. right now. There's that nothing never intimate happens. about breast milk and pumping. Oh. She just said, oh, "Grow I... up." <laughs> no, I've avoided it for 46 years. Right. I'm not going to start now. <clears throat> yeah. Oh. 
You see, what you miss is that uh, Tammy and I never went through anything like this. It's true. We yeah. had no idea. We've never done any of that. I've, my wife has never pumped anything. Yeah, um, so it's pretty. Well, like, that's not exactly true. The technology is pretty amazing. Like she has. Uh, like the old school pump, but like now it's uh, like, what's the right word? They Bluetooth, like Bluetooth. Awesome. You get <laughs> Spotify. You should get Spotify. I'm not done yet though. Oh, with that news that things may not be looking good. If the Wolf of Wall Street is testifying against you, I hope you have a great week and let's do this again together real soon. Pretty good. With that news that Proz may be gone way past November, I oh. hope you have a great week and let's get together and do this again real soon. With that news, really putting the line, the Supreme Dream Team always up with the schemes from Ghetto Superstar into better context. I hope you have a great week. Let's get together and do this again real soon. With that news that Proz may be on the verge of learning how many smokes a live rendition of Killing Me Softly will get him. Oh, I hope you have a great week and let's get together and do this again real soon. Oh, man. I was looking up like Fuji's lyrics. I was watching yeah, that's, videos and stuff. It's like. a really deep dive into some Fuji lyrics right there. Proz. You mentioned Ghetto Superstar, too. Good work. Well, you know, the thing is, I actually love that song. Yeah. I think Ghetto Superstar is a great song. <clears throat> um, and I was trying to write one that was like, how, I feel like Proz has been dining out on Ghetto Superstar for like 25 years Let's now. Assume, yeah. Well, maybe 20, not 25. Yeah. That's probably not fair. <clears throat> but um, like, could he dine out on it in prison? Um, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, he's he's the, the least popular Fuji. I would, yeah, I would think. absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. All right, hey man. There's no Denko here to make us stay up till midnight. This is awesome. Look at so us. You don't have to. Efficient. Efficient. Thanks, man. Excellent. Thanks for letting me do it by myself. Feels a, feels a pretty natural. Two person pod is so um so much easier to edit too. I'm sure. like, this is such a yeah. quick edit with only two people going. It's really going to be great. I've, this whole thing was awesome. This turned out really good. Thanks, man. Um, I'm interested to hear about myself tomorrow. I remember um you telling us the week after Danko and I had done one of these alone that you're like, Oh, I could never do it. I could never yeah. do it. You guys have like so much chemistry. Um, I never, uh, I never doubted that you could do this, man. I, I knew that you'd be <gasps> fucking yeah. awesome. And you over repaired. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Secret location. <laughs> yeah. Secret location. Yeah. We're not trying to, we're not trying to get involved <laughs> in any of the world geopolitical issues that are going on. We'll leave Denko to handle those. Good idea. All right. All right, buddy. Go, go hang out with your wife and watch I'm some Vanderpump a rules. Bit, yeah, <laughs> see what's happening. Oh, Seinfeld's out now. Even better. Oh, all right. Good night. Good deal. Thanks for all looking right, up. All right, yeah. brother. I love you, man. Love you, too. Have a good night. Later. Bye. What do you mean I'm funny? Funny like a clown? Here to amuse you?